and welcome to the Grapeseed Official Podcast. We have a very special guest on this episode of Mason Connection. Today, we welcome Jeffrey Hash, a longtime Mason staff member who you might have seen in some of our videos on the platform or from foundation training, specifically the pumpkin song from Unit 5's class example and the teachable moment video from foundation training where a fly in the classroom meets its end, but the kids ask if it's okay. Jeffrey has been a paragon of great grapeseed teaching, and I'm happy he is joining us today. So welcome to the podcast, Jeffrey. Hello. So let's get started here with just some basic information. How long have you been at Mason, and what is your current role? I have been at Mason for about 15 years. Oof. Um, actually, September was, about the middle of September was uh, my 15th year. So it's like... 15 yep. years into your and, 16th yeah. yeah just starting my 16th year and uh i was a homeroom teacher for about eight or nine years mm -hmm. then i did a couple years of uh training grapeseed training then i moved on to being head teacher of our english department wow and so currently is that your role Yes, and I also, in the mornings, I, I also train with the uh, kindergarten teachers or kindergarten department. Okay. So that is uh, another role that I'm doing right now. Many hats. So do you have a favorite uh, grapeseed material? Uh, that's a very hard question. There's so many out there that I really like and enjoy teaching from okay. just about every unit, I could say like multiple pieces if you had to pick um, if i had to pick whew, that's hard uh i would say maybe unit six and unit 16 okay well. so the whole units all right yeah in general all the pieces from the units i i really enjoy teaching okay what in unit 16 do you like specifically um, the reason why I chose these two units was okay. they are focused really on like foods. Mm. So I, ca I, ca I call them the food units. Mm -hmm. And kids just love to talk about food. Mm. And food is something we, you know, we eat every day and it's so relatable. And they know a lot of names. So they're able to relate to, they're able to talk about the food they ate for that day their favorite foods. And so it's really too easy to start a dialogue with uh, the kids talking about foods. Yeah. I think especially with unit five being fruits and vegetables, then you transition into unit six and then it's more of the fun things that kids like to eat. So ice cream, hamburgers, yes, exactly. things like that. And they get a little bit more excited when they're talking about what they can put on their donut, like in the jam poem and things yeah, like that. Exactly. Exactly. And you see their, Faces just light up when just ready to tell you what they ate for breakfast or their favorite foods or yeah, for those reasons, I really like to um, teach these two in particular, these two units. Mm, absolutely. Now we've talked about this with Patricia and Peter who we've had on before, mm -hmm. but decorating your classroom at Mason is a really big deal there. So can you talk a little bit about what your favorite design was when you were teaching? This might get a little bit long, but I go for it. <laughs> I used to love decorating my walls with uh, posters from some cartoon or some movie or some movie that the kids uh, 
loved or they liked, you know. Mm-hmm. And of course, they would come in, they'd be excited to see that. But that wore off after a few days. And I found out over the course of teaching that, especially with grapeseed, that if I decorated my wall with things that corresponded with the theme of the unit that we were working on, mm-hmm. that the kids were able to relate to it. They could point out things on the wall. They could talk about things. It was just a conversation starter almost. Mm. And so I could use wall deck. So example, if we were on unit one, putting up animals and family members and things like that, I could just easily relate to something not besides just the cards, the teaching cards. Mm -hmm. And it was something refreshing. It was exciting. And the kids would point out things too that they see, or if I asked a question, they'd look around and point out things uh, on my wall deck, you know? And yeah, it was very useful. And I would recommend any other teacher do the same if they have those resources to be able to create their own wall deck based on the unit they're working on or things that the kids can relate to in their everyday life to be able to start a conversation, to reinforce things that they're learning. And I also, sometimes I'd have the kids just stand up and walk around and talk to their friends about stuff. I'd throw out a question and they walk around and ask their friends. And by having all that wall deck, it was just so much easier for the students to, to be able to, to uh, converse with each other and point things out. So... Absolutely. There's an underrated teaching tip you mentioned in there of it's not just that you decorate your walls and that gives you more questions to ask in class. It's your students can look at that wall decoration and they'll start coming up with creative things kind of unprompted at times. And Mm -hmm. that's just such a great benefit from having such great wall decorations. Mm -hmm. So great point. Thank you. So going back to all of your many years of teaching experience, can you Mm -hmm. share an aha or a light bulb moment story where students were able to apply the language that they were learning in the materials? Uh, This is kind of a difficult question too. Um, uh, But I cannot, I mean, I've taught many years, so I cannot recall any specific Mm -hmm. uh, incident occasion where I had that light bulb moment. But one thing I did see a lot was... When I spent time outside of the classroom, of course in the classroom too, but even more so outside of the classroom in recess time or in my students' like lunch break or lunch hour, yeah, free time, I intentionally try to use the language that the kids were, they knew or they were working on at the moment and try to reinforce it and, and try to apply it to what they were doing. So if they were playing with something or doing some activity during recess time, I try to apply the language that they were learning. And a lot of times I did see that light bulb moment or the switch, you know, turning on like, Oh, I understand this. And eventually that even went on to them being able to use it outside of the classroom Mm. because they understood it. And they actually experienced it. It wasn't just knowledge or, okay, I understand comprehension. They were able to experience and through experience, you know, being able to apply it and actually master it. uh, That was really rewarding for me. And of course, I saw a lot of students doing that, you know, just the light bulb 
like you said, the light bulb just went on and they're like, oh, I can, I know what this means. And from the next day, they're able to use it, you know. Mm, absolutely. Because we don't want grapeseed time to be the only time that students are actually using exactly. their English ability. Exactly. And in a lot of countries, Japan being one of them, it's very easy for students to leave your classroom and that's the only English exposure they get aside mm -hmm. from doing REP. So exactly. if you can find that extra time, whether it's recess time or lunch time, I think. Exactly. Uh, yeah. When Will Rice from Osaka was on the podcast a couple months ago, I think he mentioned that as well of getting into lunchtime with kids, even if you're tired as a teacher, trying to make that extra effort and spending any time you can outside of class with students will yes. bring these opportunities around and really help your students make that connection and have more of those aha or light bulb moments. Exactly. Yes. Perfect. So going back through those archives again, how did you prepare to teach your lessons? I think there are a couple really key points here. Uh, first of all, I think it is almost impossible to teach a lesson or class without a lesson plan. Mm -hmm. So I think that is going to be one of your most important things in terms of preparation for a class. And so take Luckily they of have time, those now, yeah. Yeah, to reflect, to read through, to know what you're going to teach for the day and how you're going to do it. Also, of course, setting up your classroom, that's, that's important too. But also your lesson plan, I say, is one of the most important things to have that down well, to have it in your head, to have it ready there to teach. And also, I think another important point is, is being in a positive mindset. So like maybe you came into work a little bit tired or something happened at home or something is try to try to forget that or drop that or put that on the back burner and try to just focus on your lesson like try to go into class with a positive mindset because mm -hmm. if you let that bother you something came up at home or you know you lost something or you know something went wrong um, that's going to affect your class a lot so again try to be in a positive mindset focus on getting your lesson plan done well, and of course, having plenty of prep time. I found out that when I was rushed and I rushed into classroom and tried to teach a class without enough time to prepare and think through my lesson plan, it never went well. Like I was able to teach it because of my experience. And so I could sort of, you know, quote unquote, wing it, but it never went smooth or well. Mm. So... I think having a lesson plan there and again, going through it and knowing exactly what you're going to do, it's just going to make class so much smoother. And I found out that the smoother the class goes, the students are able to focus a lot better. They enjoy it more. And yeah, you enjoy it too. I love that point that you brought up with 15 years of experience. Even you acknowledge that winging it, it doesn't go as smoothly as you. Never, never. Exactly. No. And that's one of the, the benefits of having lesson plans now is that you don't have to focus on what you're going to do. You can spend your prep mm -hmm. time instead on how you're going to deliver it and how you're going to be as effective as possible. So I think that's one of the, the great things of how Grapeseed has evolved a little bit over time is that mm -hmm. now you have that, that introductory lesson plan. So you can spend that prep time thinking, okay, how am I going to be the best teacher I can with this? So 
Great. Thank you so much, Jeffrey. You're welcome. So what keeps you motivated after 15 years at Mason? <laughs> That's a very good question. <laughs> um, uh, as a teacher, I would say, yeah, as a teacher, the children were, mm. of course, my motivation. Just the, the responses, the interaction with the children, the responses from the children, just seeing their smiles every day. And yeah, that just gave me so much energy. Also, those light bulb moments like Mm. because i planned well i was prepared therefore i was able to i was able to deliver you know a good lesson and because of that the children enjoyed it they understood they not only understood they were able to to even use some of the language that i was trying to teach them those light bulbs went on like all of that together i guess you could say really motivated me every day Mm -hmm. and yeah just seeing their smiles how about as a head teacher as a head teacher i i do occasionally step into you know a classroom i do observe in some in some cases i even would teach or teach a class here and there but um my main job is to uh, support the teachers and make sure they're okay so being able to give the teachers the right support and the support they need and just seeing them doing a great job and growing, um, it really motivates me. So when I see my teachers happy, they're able to do a great job, they're teaching well, they, I'm able to support them with all the things that they need, that really motivates me a lot. So it's very similar to a teacher and their students in a sense. When we had Patricia and Peter on, they had talked a little bit about Jamboree and summer camp as some of their their really favorite activities that happen at Mason. So what are your favorite school holidays or activities throughout the year? I have a lot, actually. <laughs> but, if you had to choose, um, just like units and materials. Yeah. Ooh, this is a hard one. Uh, I did enjoy all the summer camp activities a lot and also the off-campus trips. What were some of those? We would go to, let's see, where do I start here? Um, <laughs> it depends on the grade. Some grades, the older grades, we would take them to places like Osaka, Nagoya. and Okay, so big cities that are kind of far yes, away. Far away, yeah. And for the younger kids, we'd take them to you know, the lake, or they'd stay overnight in a youth hostel. Okay. Um, river hiking, do a lot of uh, fun things like that together. And so I was able to see, as a teacher, I was able to see not just the quote-unquote classroom side of them, but also uh, another side of the children, like being able to also hear, again, through the activities, being able to apply a lot of the grape seed language functions, the the language from the materials and seeing the kids being able to use it in a situation, uh, an activity, a camp like that, it was really motivating for me. And yeah, just doing something outside of the classroom to, together really helped build rapport. And I was able to connect even better with my students. 
Absolutely, because so, you get chances to use the language, and so do your students, obviously, when exactly. you're outside of the classroom. But not only that, you get to learn more about their own personalities and the things they like and dislike, and then you can start incorporating those into class as well. So if you know, like, exactly one of your students really big into dinosaurs, and you notice that when you're on one of these excursions, then you can try to incorporate more discussions of dinosaurs or decorate your wall with one picture of a dinosaur and talk about it. Exactly. Sometimes. Yes. So I think we've all in our teaching experience, have, we've had a student that has been a bit challenging for us to manage or teach. So in your case, what did you do to help those kids be successful? I have had or taught many challenging students in my classes mm -hmm. all these years. Kids with special needs, you know, autistic kids, and a lot of kids with behavior issues. Mm -hmm. A lot of them. I think of something that is very important to keep in mind is that you will need a lot of patience, like mm. a lot of patience and love and also a mutual trust. And I believe this comes even before English or studies, like especially with these kids, because actually with any, any child or any student, but if you, if they trust you, They'll be willing to do anything for you and they'll be willing to obey you. And even if you have to correct them or take measures because of the trust, they will, they will accept it, any, any sort of correction. And again, they'll be w willing to correct their behavior because they love you. They trust you. Mm. And so I think patience is very key. And of course, love. And like I said, the trust, the trust is so important. I feel like. Yeah, that echoes Matthew Stridham when he was on talking about classroom management a couple months ago as well, saying that fundamentally you need that trust and respect between teacher and student for good classroom management to happen and exactly. then thus good just learning to happen in the classroom. So mm -hmm. teachers, even if you're paid by the hour and you're just coming in, you are recently hired definitely invest that time and that energy in trying to build that relationship with your students from the get-go so you can, in the future, avoid issues and or at least reduce their impact on the class. So, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. work with your kids. Try to find as much information out as possible. Like if you have special needs kids, what does the school do to help them stay focused in their other classes? Or mm -hmm. what do their parents do at home to help them focus in when they want them to focus? Um, mm -hmm. You're not on your own with this kind of stuff. So you can always reach out and get help from other people or even other teachers if they've had students with similar issues. Exactly. Yes. Great. So let's end on just general advice. So what advice do you have for other grapeseed teachers? Well, this is a big question as well. <laughs> um, I'm sure you have a lot, but zone in on one good nugget of advice here. Okay. This is kind of, again, just going back to the question just now. Mm. I think building rapport and that mutual trust with your students is probably going to be one of the most important things. I think, again, this comes before studies or anything or English, or learning a skill, or anything. I think having that trust, again, building that trust, if your students trust you, they'll do anything, and they'll learn at a much quicker pace, I, mm. I feel. And I think another thing to keep in mind is having good 
classroom management. This comes out a lot also in the uh, foundation training. Mm-hmm. Having good classroom management is very key, I think. This too also comes before English or your other studies. If you don't have have classroom management, you will you could be a teacher with with all the skills, uh, skill sets or know-how of Grapeseed, but you will not succeed because you will find yourself dealing with a ton of issues. It, it's a little bit like when we talk about the affective filter, like the stress level and the anxiety students feel and trying to keep that low, because if you keep it low, then a higher percentage of your teaching gets through to your students. In a similar vein with good classroom management, it's how much of a percentage of class time are students engaged and learning? And if you're struggling with classroom management and your students are not focused half of the time, then you're basically only teaching 50% of the time. So as far as teaching techniques, I feel like a first-year teacher or a veteran teacher, a teacher with 10 or 15 years experience, you know, we just continuously grow. And I, I feel like even after teaching several years with Grapeseed, even now when I step in the classroom, I see teachers, you know, even in their first year of teaching, doing things or teaching a certain piece like I've never seen before. And mm. I'm often like, wow, I've taught Grapeseed so long, but I've never thought of that. That's a great idea, you know. So there are endless teaching, you know, ideas with Grapeseed. You could go on for 15 or 20 years, you could still come up with more ideas uh, every year that you taught it. But uh, so we continuously grow there and learn, you know, more how to teach. But I think building rapport and trust, if you don't have those, those components, you won't be able to be very successful in your classes. And I think by building rapport and trust with your students, your students will, their hunger to learn will just continuously grow. Because they trust you, they love you, they, they want to do everything for you. Definitely. Two great things in there. The first being that, that building the trust and the rapport. So I'm going to recommend this again. Look for any extra time that you can add to your work schedule with your kids. So if you're, even if you're in an English conversation school, for example, and you only have 40 minutes with the kids and then they're supposed to switch out and then you have another class a half hour later, Try to get five minutes before or after class where you're just playing a game or singing songs or doing something with the kids that's technically outside of grapeseed time that can just help you build that connection and then also help you learn about your kids to then use that information during the lesson. And then also, yeah, and also your other point there about continual growth and learning. This is why having a great relationship with your grapeseed coach is highly recommended because your coaches, they get to work with so many teachers around the country that they're in that all of their ideas are, they're not hundred percent from their own teaching experience. A lot of advice that you'll get from grapeseed coaches or grapeseed trainers are from them watching another teacher, seeing them do something really effective and then passing on that information to you. So it's not like this, this top down, the coach is the authority. You have to listen to them because they have all this awesome experience. They are a very convenient tool for you to just get more information. For example, if you're in a very small classroom and you're trying to teach effectively, but you don't really know how to utilize that small space when you're doing an action activity, chances are your grapeseed coach has seen 
another classroom that's a very small one where the teacher is doing a good job with action activities. So they have advice for you based off of that. So exactly. definitely keep growing, reach out to your coach and also find more time to work with your students. Exactly. Yes. So great. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Jeffrey. It was yeah, thank a, you. It was thank a blast. You. Uh, my pleasure. As always, everyone, thank you for listening and good luck in the classroom. Goodbye, my friends, goodbye. I'm sad to say goodbye. It was a good day, but now I will say goodbye, my friends, goodbye. Goodbye, everyone.